Hello and welcome to Gamers Table. My name is Eric. I am Matt. I am Toby. I am Brandon. And this is Shannon. What are we talking about this week, Eric? This episode, what else are we talking about? We're talking about Conan. Oh, why are we talking about Conan? Well, because not only are we playing, currently playing Conan, uh, but what? we also... Oh, you don't don't act like you slept through all of it. You're the one killing everybody. We also have Matt and Toby here who are Conan people themselves. What do you do and where can people find you? Well, I do things uh, in the the world of Conan. Uh, I, I work for Monolith, which is the board game company that produces the Conan board game. I'm the community manager, designer for some of it, flavor text writer. I've done some work for Modiphius as well on the Conan role playing game. And I mean, I've been a huge Conan fan for many years since I was a since I was a young lad. Where can they find me? My usual stomping ground <laughs> is Conan Gaming Group on Facebook. So if you're not a member of that and you are into Conan gaming, you should really join us. It is a fun, welcoming group. Uh, I am also a host of the Rogues in the House podcast, where we talk all things sword and sorcery. And Conan comes up quite a lot, as you could imagine. Uh, I'm the host of the RPG Logic podcast. Uh, we do uh, an actual play, and then we also talk about what we did right and what we did wrong during the games to help listeners make their game better. And right now we are running a 2.20 Conan actual play and analysis. Having all these heavy hitters, these Conan heavy hitters on, <laughs> on the show, um, <laughs> we can uh, definitely kind of uh, dig deep into not only just maybe the, a little bit of the lore, but the games themselves. But the first thing I want to talk about is I would like to talk about the mass appeal of Conan, of the world. Let's say you're talking to somebody who says, you know, I don't like fantasy or I like fantasy, but, you know, it's not for mm. me or maybe I've outgrown it. What would you say to that person when it comes to this world or this game? For me, Conan, it's fantasy, but it's grounded fantasy a lot of the times. Uh, it's yeah. always it's pretty low magic and the magic that happens is usually it's it's rare. It's powerful, right? It's not people aren't flying around on stuff and just blowing things up left and right. And there's like D D it's the whole idea is you're going to at some point be dealing with dragons. You're going to be dealing with wizards. You're going to be doing, but um, Conan, it doesn't have to be that game at all. It can be almost a timepiece or at least feel like it's in a time from before, as opposed to high fantasy, right? You can have it more, much more grounded. Yeah, it, I, I mean, it really feels like a uh, like historic fiction in many ways, with yeah. you know weird elements sprinkled in, right. and just a lot of testosterone and power. <laughs> the idea that like sorcery is is shifty, and you can't trust it. But it doesn't matter what your sorcerer is; a sword can always usually slay him. Right. Right. In addition to being like an escapist fantasy, the stories—if you're reading the stories—the stories are usually real short. And that's one of the ways, uh, the reasons I got into it is I started collecting the, the, the books and those stories, I could read one on the, on the commute home and I'd have an entire story done. And that appeals to me in, in that I, you know, if you've got a short amount of time that you can read or you can devote to a subject, the short stories are great for that. I think with literature, fantasy now are huge volumes, 900 page oh. books, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, at least a trilogy. And I, I like mm -hmm. that. I, I read a lot of series for that, but there yeah. is something really nice about it's, it's a trilogy if you're up. lucky. 
Yeah, exactly. And it's something where it's not really in fashion much, right? Like, no. you know, short fiction still, you know, circulates, but it's not a big sales piece. And uh, I don't know. I, I think it's a little sad that we don't have as much of that. It's always been hard for me to get into. Like, I don't read much as I used to anymore. But like even now, there's stories I want to read that are huge epics. If I want to get into it, it's like, right. well, where do I start? Mm-hmm. And the only books available mm-hmm. are the 40th book in the series. Right. And you know what's, you know what's funny is I could totally see that turning around. And let me, let me give you the example of why I think that the Witcher. Mm. Oh yeah, for sure. The Witcher is the, the, the show is based off of the short stories Mm -hmm. and Conan stories are perfect for that level of a show. You do a six, let's say you do a six or seven episode show. You could totally do that. Oh yeah. And you know, with the Mm -hmm. way, the way that uh, modern, you know, you makeup artists and things like that, you could start with Phoenix on the sword. And yeah. then you can mm-hmm. go right into Tower of the Elephant. Yeah. You know, yeah, you I can, honestly think mm-hmm. it's a matter of time for that. They, we're we're going to see it. It's just a matter of who picks it up and when. Like Amazon was set to do it, and then they bowed out. I actually had conversations with uh, the rights holders, the cabinet people, Frederick Malmberg at Gen Con two years ago, where like that was still poised to happen. So they're they're still shopping it around. I know someone someone's going to pick that up. It's going to happen. They almost have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really hope it's like, I don't know. I, I like everything on Netflix nowadays. So <laughs> I don't know. That's a bold statement because yeah. there's a lot of garbage on. No, it. there's a lot of garbage, but when they get it right, they get it really right. Yeah, like, they do. The, yeah. the Witcher was yeah, fantastic. Springboarding off what you were talking about, Matt. The short fiction is kind of a lo- like a lost art mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. You know, especially, you know, like novels and things like, you know, like books and whatever, but not in comics. No, no. there's short run comics all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, Conan's been around in comics for ever yeah and oh you can yeah and you know yes you know the the purists would say well that's not my conan or that you know yeah you know and whatever <laughs> you know and it is it is a serious uh, there are serious people who are serious super yeah. serious about it and there's no problem with yeah. that which is is funny uh matt and toby we just finished an episode on toxic fandoms um <laughs> so, and, oh, and so you know we didn't talk about that about the the conan fandom and how it can be that way but just like any other fandoms there are those individuals who yeah. are like that i think we covered it pretty well by saying that most fandoms are yeah can be very very toxic. yeah so but i mean if they go and they try and appease everybody they're going to end up appeasing no one mm-hmm. and i mm-hmm. think that's almost kind of what happened with jason momoa movie Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. So I, I text Eric, like we, I think we recorded or something and I came home and I was like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to watch this. I haven't seen this in a long time. I remember seeing it in theaters and hating it, but you know what? Maybe it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought. Mm -hmm. And then going home and watching it, I text Eric the entire movie and was like, Holy shit, this is bad. This is the worst (laughs) fucking movie. It's like, they didn't know actually anything about Conan. Maybe they watched the Arnold Schwarzenegger film and they were like, well, let's kind of tweak that a little bit. That's its worst crime. In my opinion is that it not only, it's like there's there's certain flashes like mm-hmm. uh, certain skins about it that have the Howard bit, mm-hmm. but not not in its soul at no, all. Not but at then all. Also, but they took the they they actually managed to make the original eighty two film, which I love, lame. Like they took parts <laughs> of it, cannibalized it in a terrible way. Yeah, and so it yeah it exa- it does it doesn't serve anybody. It, it, it felt like. Them. A typical, it actually felt more like uh, early 2000s adventure movie is what it felt like. like oh, it like, it uh, had that same like 
feel and trope of kind of like the mummy or something. Yeah, it felt like the Scorpion King or something. It it was terrible. Except Scorpion King is like better than that. Which is so (laughs) yeah, sad to say. I I don't remember hating the the Jason Momoa Conan movie. I remember seeing it and thinking, well, this this is a terrible Conan movie, but it's not a terrible movie. But it's Mm -hmm. been ages since I've seen it. And if you think of it as as a fun sword and sorcery movie that right it shares the name of a character yeah yeah then it's i, I can it's agree fine, with that i can ag- yeah. i can 100 agree with that because there's stuff in that movie that's like oh this is cool it's the fact that it's supposed to be in that world it's yeah. like ah, this and, and doesn't fit got a step away from that yeah, yeah. well it's more enjoyable people people take that same issue with conan the barbarian 82 the difference is that conan 82 is like a masterpiece of in, in so many ways in my mind. Um, like I love Robert E. Howard's stories and that's, that's the true Conan in my, in my opinion. But the 82 film has had as much of an impact on me, the music, the cinematography. Oh yeah, absolutely. The, you know, oh, yeah, that, the, the, that, that was absolutely my first impri- exposure to Conan as well. Yeah, of and course. I even like, fantastic. I even, I even like the destroyer quite a lot in, in a completely different way, but you're going to yeah. explain that one. <laughs> you're going to have to <laughs> defend yourself on that one. <laughs> It's the greatest D and D movie ever made. Yeah, oh, I remember right. being okay. extremely disappointed in the Destroyer, but uh, yeah, it's not a good Conan film, but it's a that is a D and D quest movie, and it's hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, talk about <laughs> uh, um, you know watching the Momoa movie and saying it's a good it's a good fantasy movie, but it's not a it, but you know it's just using the same names and using that mm. same thing. I honestly had to go with that mindset when I started collecting and, and rereading a lot of the pastiche writers mm, because yeah. I, I, I had immersed myself so much in the Howard works that now that I'm, I'm starting to read, you know, some of the other ones, Maddox and all those, it, for a while I couldn't read them because I was which, like, which ones, which ones do you, do you like? Um, the Offit ones were okay. Um, yeah, I heard those are okay. I didn't read those ones, but then there's, uh, anyways, there's, there's a particular <laughs> thing that happens in one of those that seems very not correct. I I honestly haven't read all of them, so I've I've been slowly yeah. collecting them. I've heard rumors that by the third book, Conan forces himself on a woman, which is like, mm, yeah, and that and, right, yeah, exactly, that yeah, that doesn't really that ain't right, off. that ain't right. And was not that even in the um, Frost Giant's daughter way, but yeah, and that's you know what's funny is I I lent a friend of ours. That whole Del Rey first book, uh, Coming of Conan. Oh, when Chad read it. And Chad yeah. read it, and he was like, I got to the Frost Giant's daughter, and I had to stop. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. it was too rapey. And I was like, but, I know, it, 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 it's it's bad. Yeah. And Yeah, but, I mean, at least, and I'm not, you know, there's there's definitely that interpretation of the story, but he's also bewitched. Like, he is, yeah. this, is a, this is a supernatural person, thing, creature, right. goddess. That he's chasing right and we don't see conan act that way ever in any other story in fact we see situations where there was like a deal made where he was supposed to essentially have sex in exchange for helping this woman and says well i'm not going to cash in on that so we feel like he has right. uh, some kind more. of chivalry yeah so i feel like that's so out of character in in relation to other stories that the explanation is that he was bewitched or charmed. Old Robbie was just uh, thirsty that day. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He was just a little there thirsty. Explain. <laughs> totally explained. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Shane has been sitting on that probably that's, for like minutes. It's <laughs> <laughs> just waiting for my turn. <laughs> well, and, and you know what's uh, what's funny about that is maybe that was true. I mean, because he was, when he wrote Frost Giant's Daughter, how old was he? What, 20? Five. Yeah, that was that was earlier on because it wasn't a Conan story at first. It was called Gods of the North, I think. And he had sent it and it wasn't a Conan story. Right. I believe that's how it went. Um, and then he rewrote it. Unless it was the other way around. I don't recall, but uh, it actually it didn't it did not get accepted initially. Honestly, in a lot of ways, I look at Howard's work and how he did things and his uh, propensity to rehash things. He would send out a story and if it didn't catch, he would go, okay, oh, yeah. I'm going to tear off elements of this and I'm going to yes. apply it to something else. And from the time I learned that was his process, I, I realized that I kind of do that myself mm-hmm. and, oh, yeah. and I do it when I prep my games. A lot of that was also the product of like how he he wrote because like he had a deadline because it was for uh, the magazine. So he had a deadline. He had to. So you couldn't waste stuff. Right. You had to use stuff. You had your to use your spent. scraps because yeah. otherwise you spent, you know, days writing 10,000 words or whatever. And then the story's not good and you only have two days until publication. So you can't, you know, hash that out again. So you have to use what you wrote. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I think in certain cases, too, he would have gotten rejection slips with maybe some notes on it, too. And then later it's like, hmm, I bet they won't even remember if I change these things and send it back a little while later. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which which, uh, sounds... I would do that. Yeah, it completely <laughs> reminds me of uh, what was it, the South Park movie? They got it. It was rejected because it was given an NC seventeen rating. Oh yeah. And so then they they made it worse. Yeah. And they end up getting the R rating. They got the R rating because they made it worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is insane. I guess it's just whoever reads it. Right. Like, exactly. That's nah, not that bad. <laughs> right. But I, uh, yeah. as far as I subjectivity there. Your descriptions of his writing process reminds me a lot of a game master preparing for a game. Yeah. I don't know about the rest of you, but I have all kinds of notebooks of just like bits and pieces of, of ideas that I had at some point in a notebook that I can go back and look through and say, okay, well, let's try and re- resurrect this one and pull it in. It sure. sounds very similar to that whole process of uh, putting together a game. Yeah, I, I have an they, uh, on on an ongoing note in my phone that's just like yeah. game ideas, and it's just little snippets of ideas. <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. Yep. It's mm-hmm. a it's a it's a it's a Facebook message to myself because I'm like, well, I'll never lose that. It just stays there. <laughs> so like I just and then I I was going through it, you know, like a couple of months ago. I was like, oh my god, that idea is awesome. <laughs> and now it's lost again. It's way back in the feed. That's why I always uh, I always feel like, and it's not always appropriate, but it's like I've got like I've got ideas for stories or you know running games and things like that, and I'll write them down so I don't forget them, and then I'll come back to them and go, why didn't I ever do this? You know, and I've got yeah. all these notes and why didn't I ever do this? And it, it, it just strengthens my current belief now that why wait, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and just throw it out yeah. there and you're going to come up with good ideas. Just use what you got. Yeah, just let it play but out. You also know it's good because if you if it stuck around that long and you let it marinate and you forgot about it and rediscovered it and it sounds awesome to you, it probably is. Yeah. There was somebody who said that um, when you're uh, writing and brainstorming, uh, doing being creative, use your best ideas as soon as you have them. Because you'll come up with new ideas later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like that. It's like use what you've come up with. Don't don't, yeah. don't save it for the perfect moment because that's never going to come. Right? Yeah, I could see that very much being true. Anytime that an idea has has really got its hooks in me and I've pursued it, 
it's usually sort of that feverish time where I write the story and then I get it done and it, those are those are my best ones. So I think yeah, I think there's probably something to that. So I want to kind of go into the actual 2D20 game and talk mm. about a few things. Uh, but the first thing I want to talk about is actually the old mongoose system. Uh, Love it. Now I ran it. I just don't remember it because I've become so like uh, indoctrinated into the 2D20 system. So many games. <laughs> so many games. Right. Exactly. The new yeah. games just push Water the old ones out of your that, brain. That's right. It's yeah. It's 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 like food, right? You put you put something in. Something has to come out the other end. Exactly. You had to shit out your game. <laughs> that's right. Um, so yeah. So yes. The, the unfortunate. Yeah, so tell us about mongoose. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, I've shit mongoose at this point. Go all the way back to the old AD&D Conan. <laughs> all right. Exactly. Yeah. Conan Unchained. Exactly. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Conan Unchained. Yeah. yeah uh, but there was a rule in the uh, Mongoose system where it was like the downtime or the carousing rule in the 2D20 system. But yeah, cost of cost of high living, cost high, of something cost like of that. Something yeah, something like that. And it yeah. was and it was it always struck me as brilliant because it's so yeah. on brand with the the sword and sorcery. And I'm not just talking about Conan, I'm talking like Fafford and the Great Mouser. I mean, where, yeah. where you're talking, it would be, all right, we're getting ready to start the adventure. Roll a percentage. That's how much of the money that you had from last adventure is still remaining. Yeah, you I know? love it. And, and it's <laughs> hilarious because I have this guy I've gamed with since we were in like literally the upper end of elementary school. And he hates it because he's just, <laughs> he's not, he is not a sword and sorcery guy. He's like that. He's that character who's always going to save everything up. So he has a contingency plan. He's hoarding and everything. Like just does not get the spirit of sword and sorcery. And so like reading that in a rule book made his head explode. And I was just <laughs> loving it. <laughs> it's like, you know, who cares about your gear? Like your gear doesn't matter in that game, right? No. Yeah. Matters I, is you can deal massive damage and kill things in one shot. Like, <laughs> yeah, that rule's crazy too. Yeah, I think I mean that rule makes sense because in between your play mm -hmm. times, like or story to story, your characters are boozing it up and going crazy. Like, right. where do you think that money goes? Right, like, and that's, and also, that's also, you don't do it for pay, free. You got to pay for rent. You got to yeah. pay for hookers. There's and <laughs> right, right, yep. exactly. Hookers and Lotus. I mean, you know what else are you gonna do? <laughs> So, um, yeah, I'm, I, and I, I've always I think you found the name. Sorry. That's the right. The name of the Hookers and Lotus. And Lotus. <laughs> this will be our biggest hit episode ever. <laughs> there it is. This episode, we're talking about Hookers and Lotus. <laughs> that's why I don't assign my full real name to. Uh, these sorts of things. That's, a, that's a good idea. Yeah, smart. <laughs> I adore that rule. And it's because it's for the same reason you were saying is, you know, there is that level of play where people just want to sit on, let's think D&D, &D, right? Yeah. Well, especially 5th yeah. edition D&D. &D. If you're playing rules as written and you've already mm. got three attuned magical <laughs> items, what are you spending your money on? What's right. a magical yeah. item? Yeah, I don't know I, what those are. <laughs> I've never yeah. encountered one of those. <laughs> That's you're awesome. one of my players. I'm so glad you feel that way. <laughs> so, Seriously, man, it, it just becomes a thing after a while, you know? Having a rule like that, I mean, the carousing rules in, in the new Conan system is nice. I, I like them. Mm -hmm. yeah. But uh, to me, just not hardcore enough. You know, mm. let's let, let's <laughs> let's start this adventure where you're hungry and I'm not talking, right. you know, hungry for adventure, but literally hungry. Yeah. It puts a completely different spin on how you start a, a session, how you start a game. It also, totally. yeah. it also helps define the characters because if your characters are 
poor and starving, they're going to be willing to do different things than if they're well off. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Another thing I like about the the 2D20 system, though, is the concept of the jump cuts. Now, Toby, why don't you explain yeah. that with that? Mm. So um, you, we talked about the difference between D&D and uh, the 2.20 Conan is in D&D, it's kind of like the day in the life of a fantasy adventurer. Conan is it only just concerns itself with the exciting part of that adventurer's life. Yeah. So you're starting your adventure in media res in the middle of a fight in the middle of the desert with uh, a snake monster mm-hmm. or bandits. And then after that, you figure out how do we actually get here from where we were last time? And that start in the middle of the action, I, I really like about Conan 2 Day 20. We don't care about the boring parts of this character's life. We only care about what well, tell us about the adventure. Yeah, that's one of the things about it I really like is they nail that concept. And even the Doom and the, uh, oh shoot, what's the other one? Momentum. Momentum. Like I, li- I like those two things at play as well. But uh, yeah, definitely the idea that it's get to the parts that matter. Right. The day in the life <laughs> is not a thing I want to do in my late 30s. If I want to just mark everything down and micromanage every little piece, like I'll play a video game. If I want some cool storytelling, then that's what I want out of an RPG, I feel. There's the market for, you know, the day in the life of stuff. Oh, 100%. Yeah, um, there is. But there's also the the feeling that, and other games do this too, where you can jump into the action and then use downbeats to explain why you're even there. And the, the, mm. the beautiful part of it is if you have players who are completely engaged, they'll fill in those gaps for you. You don't even have to tell them how you got here. It's like, you know, it, it's, it's allowing that collaborative story really to take over. And it's really good to do after a fight. Then it's like, well, how did you guys get here? Why did that just happen? As mm. opposed to having the players look at you and go, well, why did that happen? Letting players spend uh, fortune points to alter the story and, mm-hmm. and, and to do yeah. things. And, you know, you just mentioned the doom and, uh, momentum, momentum mechanic. And I think personally, that's one of the, the greatest mechanics yeah. in a role playing game. Yeah. I, I yeah, love I that agree. mechanic. That's, I, I love the, the Modifius Conan game. It's by far, we've talked about this before. But it's probably my favorite RPG that's come out in a long time. And a lot um, of it has to do with momentum and doom. You're not, you know, D&D, it's like, all right, it's your turn, roll my dice, whatever. The momentum allows me to do things on an epic scale. It allows yeah. me to do things mm-hmm. extraordinary. Right. And, right and from the it also down. gives you some agency to yeah. your rolls. It's not just like yes. I'm rolling and whatever the dice says. It's like, okay, I'm rolling and this is really important. So I'm going to spend this momentum so that I can roll more. Or I'm going to tempt the devil. Or I'm going to yeah. give some you doom. some doom. Yeah. Yeah, everyone stays on their toes, too, because you have to constantly sort of think and like, okay, well, what does this mean now? Like, or even complications, right? As the GM, you have to think about what is the complication in this situation if they're buying in to receive the doom, as it were. Right. And the old Mongoose game had a mechanic sort of like that, too. But like the idea of shared storytelling and agency with um, the foreshadowing. Do you remember that? Oh, I do not. You would essentially foreshadow an event and then you would get fate points, I think they were called, which were like precious resources. You could store like three max and, you know, you'd, you'd get like a re-roll because the system was brutal, but like that's what you got out of it. Huh. But I remember like we were all chasing fate points and when you got one, you're like, I got one lifeline here, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love that stuff. I'm going to have to look back into that. Maybe I can apply that into the, the current game, maybe for fortune. Fortune, point. yeah. You know? Yeah. Hmm. 
It's yeah. interesting. The one thing that I always, always harp on, to, especially people who don't, who've not maybe played the game and they say, well, I don't really understand, you know, in a nutshell, how can you pitch this to me? And I'm like, imagine, especially when you're talking to game masters, imagine you're playing a game where all the players are completely engaged in what's going on at the table. And it's mm. because momentum is a community resource. Yeah. Yeah. That's what makes it great. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Not we've just momentum, but Doom too. Exactly. It's like, oh <laughs> shit, you're gonna you're gonna give him. Oh yeah, three oh, Doom. Yeah, yeah, the first game we ever played, we had we had momentum builders, and then we had a Doom builder, which was Scott. <laughs> Scott would constantly be like, yeah, take four Doom, go for it. Like, <laughs> dude, what are you doing, man? <laughs> now, it's interesting because yeah. I heard I've heard people um, being in Conan Gaming Group. I get to hear and see all kinds of different perspectives, but people complaining that it was too much of a metagame thing and for me like i don't know i don't know i'm sure you guys have had discussions about this before but for me like metagaming is just gaming i i get what i get the concept but we're, we're all simulating anyways right and like those little mini games within games if they're fun then i dig it and and like that that's the that's one of the aspects about the 2d 20 game that i do really like yeah the idea that you're working together and you're it doesn't feel so artificial. It just feels engaging. Well, it's a risk-reward thing for Doom. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I... I wouldn't consider it metagaming in the sense that I usually think of metagaming. Because I always mm -hmm. think of like the character using personal player knowledge into their game right. for the characters to know something that there's no fucking yeah, way they would know that. Yeah, that's more your traditional definition for but, sure. Yeah. Right. But like Doom, all it is is... All right. Well, this is a risky thing. So go ahead and use a doom. Maybe you fail, but you right. also kind of screwed the group over. But right, especially when it's like it's one of those things where it's like let's say you're having a boss fight. Yeah, and it's like you, your your momentum's running low because maybe you're not hitting as well as you had been. Your momentum's running low or runs out, and you're like take three doom, and then I go I flip it and go okay. Well, now he just got a squad of reinforcements yeah. and you're like, God damn it. Yeah. You know, and then whoever, whoever <laughs> spent those doom or gave me those doom, the rest of the table's like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. You know, the first, the first <laughs> game we played, I welcomed that. I loved, I was like, Scott, you give them all the doom you want. <laughs> it was just more targets for me to slaughter. I was like, I I'm all about this. That's the thing about it is the game can be as hard as you want it to be. If you don't ever want any complications like that. Just don't take Doom, but mm -hmm. it's there. Yeah. Like it's 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 optional. It's all optional. But I feel like you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't engage in it. It's the spirit of the game. Yeah, right? like yeah. of sword and sorcery, right? Yeah, it's it's yeah. kind of like, hey, what can you throw at me? I'm going to give you some Doom. Like right. I want to yeah. see what you got. Yeah. yeah, I think I see where they're they're coming from. I think that the term that they're using metagame is is the wrong term. Mm -hmm. What I think what they're talking about is. It is the the rules of the game coming to the in front of the, the fictional yeah. oh, world, yeah. if you will. Yeah. And it, it's it's just how you play the game. I mean, it's exactly the same as a die roll. Yeah. It's just a little bit more fiddly. Um, yeah. Metagame is probably not the right term, but I know what they're coming, what they're yeah, trying to that's, say. That was the, the that rules. was the intent for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of assumed it was kind of like metagaming also, because like there's a bit of strategy that goes with like who goes first, because oh, we have this person who is built to build momentum yeah so yeah. have them go oh, before yeah. this person who needs to use all the oh, momentum yeah. and that's that's yeah. what makes it so unique the system is because you don't necessarily if you're the big let's say you're the big badass mm -hmm. you know you're baron von badass and you are you going to say low vaisa it's fine okay yeah you're low vaisa you do <laughs> all, for sure stand you, here. <laughs> you yeah you want to do all the damage well you don't want to go first 
because you want the sneaky thief. You want Malik to go first because he's got (laughs) a talent that makes his thievery reduce one target. So that way he's rolling target zero thievery stuff. He's just generating, he's generating momentum Mm -hmm. for Conan to swing. And you can use the doom to help generate momentum. Yeah. (laughs) How is that any worse metagaming than the thief standing next to the fighter in D&D so he can do a sneak attack. Exactly. Right. It's know, exactly yeah. the same it thing. Right. It's just yeah. the, the rules are different, but it's exactly the same thing. I think of like situations like, like using the doom if you were like, all right, well, now these guys are here or something like that. It's, more, it's almost like a rewrite. It's like, eh, I don't like how that is. Like it's as though it's being written by someone. Mm, no, let's put some guys here. Let's make it. It's it's like a in any other game. It's it's a scene change, right? Like you're just right. changing the situation. You're making it more exciting. And and it's something that GMs already already do already do. Oh, yeah. Except for you don't get anything yeah. for it. Yeah. Like there yeah. have been times where you know you have a horde of goblins that yeah. you're fighting and you're going you're breezing through them and the GM's like, man, there should have been way more goblins. And yeah. so all of a sudden one of them escapes and <laughs> brings in their buddies. Yeah, it blows a horn. Right. That's yeah. that's the thing I like too is that. That I've never ran 5e, but everybody I ever talked to hates running 5e because you have no tools at your disposal. You're basically just steamrolled all the time, right? But mm-hmm. in Conan, <laughs> you have tools at your disposal. You have Doom. You can actually oh, yeah. enhance a situation or maybe a situation that you set up isn't tough enough. And it's right. like, well, I'm going to use Doom because... I intended this to go longer. That's a good point because in I, I don't sadly haven't run enough 5e to kind of justify this statement, but I know with uh, 3.5 and whatnot, monsters had special abilities that they could do, but mm-hmm. it was like you could use it, but then you had to roll and to see or whatever. You could only do it however often. In this, if a, if a monster has a special ability, it's just a matter of moments before somebody spends enough doom that you could drop that doom yeah. and and do it again. Yeah, you know, yep. it's just such a, a dynamic system. Um, I love it so much. <laughs> I really do. I, I love playing so the game. Guilty for not not having like made the time to to play it so much. Like <laughs> I took the t- we we did it when it was in playtest stage, so we played it then, and then I did an adventure, and then I ran a couple of tests just to make sure I had the mechanics down. But like <laughs> I own I own every book in print. And like have worked on the friggin' game, and now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that game sounds awesome. <laughs> That's the curse of the uh, you know the adult gamer and of the game writer. I mean, I don't yeah. know how many people who work on games that I, we've talked to who say I yeah. don't have enough time to play my own games. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, know? that's true. I, but at least uh, if you wanted to jump into it, it's uh, it's not necessarily like D and D where you have to be level. 15 before it's fun or something it's right it's fun from the start or you don't even have you can have a a group of mixed experience characters oh definitely you could and and even the new characters they wouldn't I wouldn't say necessarily as viable yeah but uh, minions are minions is pretty flat yeah yeah you you feel relevant from the start Mm -hmm. like you it's not like level one three five where you're like all right, I'm a paladin. I have nothing to use. I'm right. going to roll my attack and that's it. And everybody else is like, I have two cantrips and I got well, this. Yeah. I got that. Well, right. or even like 5e where it's a matter of classes. Like yeah. some classes are doing amazing things while other classes are like, well, I guess I'm going to sit in my thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> right. Both of them. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Man. Uh, Hope you have tiny thumbs. Either that or you're just like, you're working things out. <laughs> it's just uh, sp- spreading. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> on on my thumb. They're not in anywhere. What is wrong with you people? You don't know how to sit on your thumbs very well. <laughs> Fail. You're doing it wrong. Get, get good. <laughs> get good. Get good. <laughs> anyway, Conan, you guys. Conan. <laughs> not only is, you know, low levels, you still you're still viable, but then when you're an experienced, you feel that too. Yeah. You know, you're not necessarily outshining if, if, if you bring in somebody new to play the game and they don't feel like they're just like tag alongs. Yeah. They feel like they're part, but then the people who are experienced, they feel like, well, yeah, I'm just more badass. You're badass. I'm just a little more badass. Yeah. It's, it's the difference of like a badass adventurer versus a seasoned badass adventurer. It's just, right. I've been on more tours of this jungle than you. So I'm, I know right. what's up. Like, and chances are you've seen some stuff that's actually like, yeah. l- you know, lowered your mental strength. So it's like, oh, oh yeah. my, here we go again. <laughs> I keep wanting to just allude to uh, Conan Mongoose where you had the uh, the uh, fear of the unknown yeah. rule. So it's like, oh, you've never seen this particular demon before and roll your dice and you run away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you can't handle it. But I'm a barbarian. I'm supposed to. No, you don't. You run away. You kind of you kind of have that in this, too, because you take mental damage. You take the mental stuff. damage. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like but, that. I mean, yeah, with the uh, with the mongoose one, it was like you fail the roll, you're you become a little bit useless, which kind of sucks. It was, there was oh, a big it was, swing. It was level dependent and stuff too, so it wasn't so bad. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, the fear and, and the sanity stuff because that really plays into this world too. Oh, yeah. Because, for sure. because, and, and I'm guilty of this in other games where I will inject psychological horror or, um, you know, looming terror, things like that. What? Um, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, where I learned that was reading Howard. And to me, the sword and sorcery stuff, the bulging thews and all that stuff, it was nice. And I really mm-hmm. enjoy the poetry of what of how he wrote. But it was also the things that he was not necessarily saying or you know, with his uh, collaboration with Lovecraft and, and the yeah. weird fiction of it. That's what I loved the most. Yeah, no, totally. And what I love about it, actually, I wrote about this for, um, there's a book coming out called Robert E. Howard Changed My Life by rogue blades entertainment and you've got like uh steve erickson and michael moorcock and charles saunders and me wow <laughs> some that's some, i was invited wow. to write for this but in the essay i was writing it was about uh worms of the earth the brand mcmorn story mm. and oh. you're talking about the sort of insanity that uh these characters feel but the difference is with lovecraft your protagonist always goes mad and he becomes a gibbering blob on the floor yeah but with Howard, the difference is we see other characters in the story as it happens, but your hero is the stronger one, right? He's the guy it does not happen to. There are multiple times where Conan cuts the head off of the uh, sorcerer and then runs like a madman out of there. Oh, yeah. Sometimes, well, yeah, there's like uh, this other thing that's coming. I got to go. Yeah. He'll run, but he doesn't, he doesn't actually. He's just smart. <laughs> he had a little bit of both there. Yeah. Like, he maintains the faculties enough to, to, to not be the guy who you know, totally succumbs to the demon. He always remains the hero, but um, even in that, that Bran McMorn story, he sees these weaker men get dropped, but he's always just a little stronger, you know? It's not that he's not scared. He's brave, right? Too badass for that. That's right. He, uh, even like a story like God in the bull, he's about to succumb to the child of set. He, he approaches, but then it's like, no, you know, it's like he gets to that line and and, yeah. and where a weaker a weaker person would have completely succumbed to it. Exactly. It's like, 
Uh, in any story of Conan, I mean, the most strong-willed person is Conan. <laughs> like, well, yeah. yeah. And of yeah. course, something, and that usually goes hand-in-hand hand with overcoming things like that. Like he, I, And this is purely conjecture, but with the way that Howard's life was unraveling around him mm-hmm. uh, with the def- death of his mother, the imminent death of his mother, you know, and his own mental health was slipping. You know, I, I think there was probably a lot of catharsis in the in the things that he wrote because, you know, yeah. overcoming this madness, this these things that were pressing upon him and things like that. The that, stories are like a coping mechanism. Right. Yeah, that, could I, be. I mean, like I said, it's just conjecture on my part. That's just my, the way I choose to interpret it. But I mean, there's a lot of comfort in that as a as a young man. Uh, and I didn't get to actually read the actual Howard stories until much later in my life. Um, mm. I got, you know, I, I got the old, what the old, uh, Lancer books, the, mm. the, or was it, is it Lancer? Yeah. I think it was Lancer. The ones with the, the Lancer the Fris- and Ace, Ace. Are the couple of different ones. Right. Yeah. The, the, the Frazetta covers, you know, the, when I was a kid, that's, those were the stories that I had. I didn't know mm. that they had been edited and, and yeah. changed. So, you know, I, no, I, nor did so many. Right. And that's, that's why people still get pretty prickly about, uh, else bragged to camp because they felt like he prevented the pure Howard texts and also had a little bit of disdain for Howard and not the proper amount of respect. But now with those Del Rey's out, you know, since, yeah. since those have been out and the pure texts have been available, it's a different game, right? Right. Yeah. It's completely changed things. And I, I had always been a Conan fan. I mean, from you talk about the movie, the 82 movie, that was the very first rated R movie I ever saw oh, wow. in the movie theaters. I was, I was 10. It's a good one to see at 10. (laughs) Yeah. I walked up and I gave the lady my money and I looked at her and she looked at me and she was just like, stared at me for a second. Then she just kind of went, go ahead. (laughs) This will will change your life. That lady's cool. Yeah. I I wish I knew who that was, but, uh, you know, because you You walked out. Some teenager who did not care. (laughs) Well, see, I was, I was 10. So chances are it was a teenager, but it seemed like an old lady to me. Right. Right. Yeah. I am imagining like a Janine from Ghostbusters smoking a cigarette. (laughs) Get in there. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) So, and, and that, that movie, um, and I've said this, uh, many times had it completely molded how i saw the genre oh yeah yeah and it, and then it defined it, the genre it, yeah <laughs> and so then and not just with movies no. and so then it was from that that i started reading the comics and yeah. then i read was reading you know the compilation stories and things like that and it for me once i started reading the the pastiche novels you know like in my like late teens and 20s i it kind of fell away and then that's when the del rey books came out and mm-hmm. i was like oh yeah and i was at, at the time i was a member of the science fiction book club and it it came in i didn't even order it yeah you know it was like howard sent it to me you know from the grave right? <laughs> and so you know and then what it was, was i just didn't i was too lazy to mark a box and say don't send it to me um but, <laughs> but it came in the it came in the mail and i started reading it and i was like this is unlike anything i've ever read yeah. and yeah. you know it really rekindled that fire and what do they say? The, the meme of, you know, me talking about something that I love to people who really don't give a damn. And it's like somebody getting ready to open up a fire hose in somebody's mouth. Uh, you know, um, so I've it, never seen that one. Uh, that's a good, that's a good <laughs> and so it's, uh, you know, I usually keep multiple copies of the coming of Conan of Samaria and I will give them a copy of it. Yeah. That's yeah. how I got a copy. That's how you got a copy I of it. borrowed it. Yes, yeah, that's a Shannon borrow. Yeah. Uh, un- yeah unbeknownst to Shannon, it was actually a gift. I just I did try to return that one, and you said, no, it's a gift. And I was like, oh, cool. 
I only married her to keep my stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Do, do you know what's amazing about those stories, though? More than almost anything is how rereadable they are. Oh, yeah. Like, I reread very few books, honestly. Uh, Blood Meridian is one I read a couple times. But, yeah, like, I, I read those stories at least a couple every year. I return to it. And every time you just get that, like... Well, you like gain muscle mass immediately after you put the thing down. <laughs> Fantastic. Didn't even work out today. Good job. <laughs> have you, uh, have you listened to the audiobooks of those? Yeah. What's the guy? McLaren, his yeah. name is. Yeah. He does the cull one as well. Yes, he does. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love those. I do too. It took me a while because he doesn't pronounce it Sumerian. He call it Cimmerian or something. Cimmerian. Cimmerian, yeah, yeah. yeah. Conan yeah, the Cimmerian. I'm so, I'm so upset about that, actually. <laughs> but he's got, he's, he's got, he's got a good spirit, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I they do, say Cimmerian like so many times, though. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, and man. He the Cimmerian. Yeah. He goes, See, that's what, that's what not. <laughs> I, I got it on my phone. I can pull it up. It's, <laughs> it's hard for me. It's hard for me to listen to audiobooks if, like, uh, if I don't like the person's voice or if they mispronounce something, I know what it is. It's like, oh, I couldn't do it. Oh, man. Uh, I, I listened to The Witcher the first, like, because I had bought the first book. Uh, with mm -hmm. the short stories and I was going to take a, I was taking a flight. I read like the first chapter and then the rest of it I listened to and the, I hated the guy. Like <laughs> I hated the guy so much cause he was, he was very just high pitched voice British guy uh -huh. reading Geralt of Rivia's lines. Like, <laughs> oh, so after, and this is, I didn't start reading the books until after, you know, the first two games, like, mm -hmm. and, um, having heard that voice actor. And right. then, and so I have an idea of a gravelly low voice and they even explain it as like a gravelly low voice. Yeah. yeah. This man could not pull off a gravelly <laughs> low voice. He, his life depended on it. And then he would do, you know, female voice like, oh, I'll do that. And I'm like, oh my God, dude. Like, why do they <laughs> sound like that? <laughs> my biggest complaint with audiobook uh, readers, voice actors, whatever mm -hmm. they're called. Voice. Yeah. yeah is in one series, they pronounce the name, an, a, a certain name one way in the first book. Oh, no. And in the second book, they change how oh, they say the it's name. It's like they were corrected. And, and it's like yeah. the same person. I'm like, what? No. Why would you do this to me? <laughs> he was definitely corrected. Like, I just listened to 50 yeah. hours of you saying it one way. Right. Why are you saying it a different way now? You'd right. think they'd sit in on the first session and go, oh, no, no, no. It's like this. Or, or like some key. This is how you pronounce this. Yeah. This is how you pronounce this. Yeah. I guess not. You can right? imagine afterwards someone has spent like a live like 40 hours recording something like yeah so that name that you've said thousands of times wrong <laughs> right don't exactly. worry we're gonna go with it we're not gonna pay you the time to to fix it so no one's gonna care except the guy in illinois that's <laughs> listening to this on the plane <laughs> yeah yeah you know because of the way he says that i i, I don't hear it anymore because i i've i've reread those those stories and i've also listened to the audio and now in your head you say it that way actually i don't i don't even i honestly it's the other way around i don't even hear it yeah. anymore i hear it how i yeah. say it even though he says it differently um yeah, it was the same with me it's like a tiny footnote in my brain that just i move past it to uh, kind of keep pounding on this then there's the times when you read a book and then you say a name or something some way and then you listen to the audiobook and they pronounce it pro they pronounce it the way that it's supposed to be pronounced Intended, yeah. and that my uh, my prime example of that is Jean from uh 
Uh, oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> from, from uh, Lies of Lockmora. Because Shannon, you, you thought uh, it was spelled. It's spelled J E A N. Yes, but oh, there's no yeah, indication that he's French or like that's a French name. <laughs> so right, but there's so Shannon's headcanon was Jean. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's not how you spell Jean as a man. Sure it is. It's G. G E N E. Yeah, like Jean uh, Wilder. Don't don't be a hater. Next, uh, what? I was just so that upset. sounds like that's a Shannon problem. That's yeah. not. I don't think this is a common. I'll tell you. I'll tell you something recently that really kind of bothered me is that um, I've been reading. Actually, I started interestingly enough with an audio book for Gardens of the Moon, uh, the first in that series, and I listened to a podcast and Stephen Erickson called it Malazin. Oh, and I was like Malazin. No, I know you wrote the book, but it's Malazan. That sounds way better. So, like, that's crushed for me now. I have to correct myself, and I don't even—I don't like saying it. Shannon, I'm reading these Malazan books. Malazan sounds so much Shannon, how was it that you pronounced Hermione before you heard it for the first time? Uh, this is—I knew that's what you were saying. <laughs> it's got to be Hermione. No, nah, I, I read it really wrong. <laughs> how, what was it though? It's I don't Hermione. 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 Yeah. So I. <laughs> to be fair, I think that's a completely reasonable. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, anyone reading that name is like, what the? Hell? There's a, there's a little bit of reading too quick dyslexia happening, yep. and I and I read it as O I N. Yep. No, but that's that's what it is because your first impression with the name, your brain registers and you move past it, and then that's yeah. it for the rest of time. Right. Yep. Until someone corrects you. Somebody corrects you in the audiobook you, recording. Right. Right. It reminds me of the story of Encyclopedia Brown when I was a kid. I read it as Inchilopula. <laughs> <laughs> and then as then we had to, we were reading it in class and thank god I wasn't the first one to read. <laughs> oh my god. Cuz somebody else said Encyclopedia Brown and I went, "Oh shit, and I'm too, I'm like I'm, I'm like 6 years or 7 years old and I'm thinking in my head and no I'm not kidding. I thought in my in my head, "Oh shit, I'm glad I didn't read that." <laughs> in in university one time we were reading a poem and it was called The Mute Phenomena. And I had initially read it as mute pneumonia. And so I was interpreting this poem as in like, well, you know, it's like this sickness, right? <laughs> it doesn't really make itself known. And the class is like, dude, what are you talking? And I was like, oh, Jesus. Uh, I'm, I'm honestly surprised your professor didn't like give you like an A on that analysis because no, it was so no, deep. Just, yeah. yeah. Just, they just let me, they they let me do it for a, a long enough time and I looked down and I was like broke into a sweat. I was like, oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that wins. Yeah, that wins because it was in front of a lot of people. So yeah, for yeah. sure. Can't believe I admitted it and told people who would not have known otherwise. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's just getting it out there. Oh, well, we know. appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny about, you know, and that whole section of us talking about this reminds me of uh, the way Howard wrote his Conan stories. And and he even said, I think in one of his letters, it was it was as if an adventurer sitting there and just sharing stories with other adventurers and talking about these things. And that in a way it, it exemplifies, you know, just it's friends sitting around and talking and having fun and, and share swapping stories and whatnot. I wish that the role playing games could actually like incorporate that. I, I, and nothing mm. against the way Modifius does their game. Cause I love it. My dream would be to actually run a game or a, a series like that where it's like, okay, like, we're going to do this adventure and you know, you're thieves in Zamora 
or, yeah. you know, and now we're going to do it. You're the king. You're the master of, of arms or whatever. And you're much older now. You're the king. Yeah, I'm I the murderer. I love <laughs> you know, I think that yeah. would be a, an amazing way to present the, the game if, yeah. if there's a way to do it. You know, I, I feel like there, there probably is. I think if you put your mind to that to like try and create some kind of guideline or mechanic that allowed you to do it so you could just time jump around where like your experience or progression didn't matter somehow or Or, i don't know you you could manage it but i i bet i bet modifius might even go for that it could release something like that as a pdf even like that's that's a cool idea you can maybe even like you know just start out making several characters at different points in their lives and say at this point they're doing this at this point they're doing this at this point they're doing this Mm, right any horrible damage they would take you you wouldn't be able to kill them because they're in the story and sitting at the table. Yeah, there would have to be some kind of immortality. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you, you'd have to do some kind of disfigurement, maybe. Like, maybe the person you described isn't is what they see themselves as, but they're missing a leg. Mm, right. Because <laughs> right? this right. story they just told, they missed, they lost it to this thing. Or, right. Like, they're actually, and now we're actually sitting at a table with a lot of, like, old, disheveled adventurers that have lost everything. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Mm. And and, oh. and that's how I got this scar. Yeah, I was yeah, going to exactly. say, or you could, or you could exactly. do my favorite thing, which start off with a character, like my old character is <laughs> um, missing an eye, and like start out with that at disadvantage. And so then whenever you're playing, it's like, oh, this is where I lost my eye. Yeah, right. So yeah, exactly. I think I think it could work. I think uh, you'd have to. Yeah, you, you could have some kind of framework where you map out some major beats and then... Uh, come to them as they come up. Yeah. And you could, yeah. and you could reward the, as a game master, you could reward the players with, you know, some sort of, uh, be it uh, a fortune point or something, yeah. something else. It's like when you hit one of those milestones or if you incorporate, let's say you're talking about your older characters missing an eye mm-hmm. and then it's like, okay, here's where, and then you say, all right, this is where I lose my eye. Then you would get that resource. What if you did it like, um, like I was saying earlier, you do it like you're playing through these stories that everybody's telling, right? And those things happen to your character. And at the end of everybody telling their story or their chapter or whatever, right? Now you're playing these characters because you're actually meeting up to do an adventure. Now you got to play these characters that you've broken over these other stories. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> so, like, yeah. now your character with one eye. Like you started out, you had two eyes. Now you have a disadvantage of whatever, and this person's yeah. missing some fingers or a hand. And- I think this has, you know, just as as spitballing ideas, it has a lot of legs because you could also do the thing where it's like you could tell the story, or you could you could tell the story or play the game, and then you could change the perspective. So it's yeah. like this is how this is how Brandon saw it. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and play it out that way. Yeah, you know, you could do it, and then the next. Oh story my would- god! Could you imagine going through through the same adventure like? From different perspectives. Five different times from different perspectives because everybody's the hero of their own story. So, like, I guess it would also have to be a rotating GM as well. And it's like, all right, here's where Loma Issa saves the day. And then, like, you know, we skip over and then it's Helix's turn. And (laughs) it's like, (laughs) no, no, Helix saved the day. And this is how. The only reason why Loma Issa saved the day was because Helix did this, this, and Mm. this. Right. Well, like, they do that (laughs) on TV shows sometimes. Like, you know, they'll. They'll go through from yeah. each person's perspective, and it's the same story, but like certain beats are slightly different. Yep. Yeah, that would be and it'd be hard to pull off, I think, but it would be a lot of fun. If you had that. a small enough group, I think you could do it. You really want to do that with maybe four people max. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you also have to have like 
table of six driven. people and telling the same story six times. I don't know how, <laughs> how well that would go over. You can't do it with the player who's worried about <laughs> losing his wealth rule. Oh, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Anyway, uh, Eric, that's our next AP. I guess. So. Kept you guys long enough. How about uh, one last time, just kind of uh, say how people can uh, find you and uh, we'll put a bow on this one. Yeah, uh, well, it's uh, Matt and you can find me consistently on Conan Gaming Group on Facebook. That's where I spend most of my internet time because I don't have so much of it anymore. (laughs) Uh, Also on the Rogues in the House podcast. Check that out if you're into sword and sorcery. We look at it through a the lens of pop culture, so not just uh, not just literature. Uh, we usually have a good time. I do my Arnold Schwarzenegger impression here and there, so uh, you can oh, check yeah. that out. And you got a Kickstarter going, right? Oh yeah, I uh, I, I should probably <laughs> not forget that. Uh, yeah, we've got uh, the Conan the Conqueror Kickstarter uh, for the board game that debuted in 2015. It's an interesting campaign in that we're sort of selling off the reserves and also releasing an expansion. The game, the base game is still actually available at retail. So if you have any copy of the Conan board game, this expansion will essentially give you a new game mode and a bunch of new scenarios. So as a solo co-op version that uh, I authored actually a couple of years ago for the Modifius 2D20 Conan monolith sourcebook, which is sort of a unique tie-in book. But people seem to really dig the solo mode and they wanted it for Conan the board game. So we're bringing it to a wider audience and making it a little more accessible in the sense that you really just need any copy of Conan at all. So the one you could buy at retail would suffice. So it's very exciting. The Kickstarter's going really well. The miniatures are beautiful. Yes, they um, are. If you use minis at all for your RPGs, you will find ones in there that will be multi-use. And if you use them for a Conan RPG, what are you doing? Um, you need to go onto that Kickstarter and yeah, buy them. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm super psyched about it. And I, I'm honestly old enough and tired enough that I wouldn't do this if I didn't really believe in the game. It is my favorite board game. Um, and if you've never given it a go, you really should. Uh, we've got another about 10 days left. So if you're, if you're into it, jump in. And then, of course, there's always a late pledge. So. If you're hearing the show, check us out on Kickstarter. Conan, Monolith. There you go. 10 days as of this recording. Uh, You can find me on the RPG Logic podcast. My Twitter is Dan Hopia and RPG Logic podcast. Uh, You can find me at, uh, of course, Gamers Table and Resting Glitchface, but also at World Walkers. You can follow that Twitter at World Walkers. And it's on all the podcatchers. There you go. I'm bad at plugs, but I'm trying to plug. Yeah, you're, you're, doing, you're doing well. You're doing well. Resting, resting glitch face. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, uh, I like that quite a lot. Good job. <laughs> Such a great name. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and you can also find uh, Brandon and I on the Skies of Glass actual play boot. for yeah. Fear, with Fear the Boot. That's uh, ap.feartheboot.com. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, on Gamers Table, yeah. Resting Glitch Face. Pretty much where all your uh, your podcast uh, goodness can be found. Matt, Toby, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, it was a pleasure episode. talking to you. Yeah, it was really awesome. Uh, it was a good time. You guys are welcome thank back anytime. Me. Yeah, next time we'll do a surprise Conan game. That way you can play the game <laughs> you were talking about. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> it get me in. Can I play this game that I've uh, <laughs> spent so much time on? That's right. That's right. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us, and we will talk to you guys next time.